Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. And I can hear the brush of angels' wings. And I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Lord, as we come before you today, we pray that that your Holy Spirit has, um, has went before us in preparing our hearts for the message that, that you want to bring to us this morning. Um, may your Holy Spirit um, speak through me and speak to uh, whoever this message is meant for. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of your great plan of salvation. And we look forward, Lord, to seeing and knowing um, that your kingdom shall come and that your will be, will be done and that you will be glorified in it all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I am a creature of habit. I'll prove it to you. Every day, no matter what, I have the same breakfast. And you want to know what it is? A hard-boiled egg. Well, it's not actually the whole hard-boiled egg. I, I only eat the white and a little bit of the yellow. Got to watch out for my cholesterol, you know what I mean? Now, you may think that's kind of a strange um, breakfast, but it isn't. I'll tell you why, at least not for me. I don't get hungry until about 11 o'clock every day, but I know I need something, so I eat a hard-boiled egg because it's fast, it's nutritious, and it's easy. There is one thing about hard-boiled eggs I hate, though, and that's waiting for the water to boil. I know it only takes a couple of minutes, but when I'm standing there waiting for it to boil, it feels like an eternity. I've got things to do, people to see, places to go. All right, I'm not the most patient person in the world, but in that, I don't think I'm alone. Well, Christians have been waiting sometimes very impatiently for the last 2,000 years for the second coming of Christ. And that waiting has caused many of us to, to become um, discouraged and, and to doubt that Christ is even going to return at all. Well, this morning, uh, I want to point you to a scripture that I think will explain to you why God has tarried, why he has caused us to wait. And it's also going to show us what we ought to be doing while we're waiting. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the New Testament book of 2 Peter chapter 3, and let's get started. Now, the books of 1 and 2 Peter, much like the rest of the New Testament, were actually letters. They were written um, by the Apostle Peter to the Church Universal. Now, that makes them different from the letters that Paul wrote, or most of the ones that Paul wrote. Paul's letters were written to specific churches and generally to specific situations, whereas Peter's letters were written to the church universal, as I mentioned before, which means that they were written to everyone, everywhere. But specifically, what was going on when these letters were written? Well, the church, every Christian back then, was being persecuted. And 
as each day went by, the way they were willing or able to deal with the persecution that they were experiencing was that they believed that Jesus was coming back. But with each passing day, and he didn't, they were becoming discouraged. They were tired of waiting. And many of them um, were ready to give up. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, it says that in that day, scoffers will arise and they will go after their own evil desires. And many of them will say, where is he? Nothing has changed ever since the beginning of creation. In other words, they were saying, we're tired of waiting. He's not coming back. We're going to do what we want to do. You can hardly blame them, right? And it does raise the question, why does God tarry? Why is God causing us to wait? Or why is God waiting? Well, there's actually a pretty good reason for that. And Peter addresses it in verse 9. In verse 9, Peter says this. He says, the Lord is not being slow, at least not as, as uh, most people understand slowness. He's actually being patient. He's waiting on people to repent. He's waiting, hoping that people will come to salvation. That's a beautiful thing. Right? Now, that makes sense, right? But what are we supposed to do in the meantime? I mean, the church has been waiting for 2,000 years now for the second coming of Christ. Aren't there things that we can and should be doing or at least focusing on as we wait for the second coming of Christ? Well, actually, there is. And Peter addresses that as well. In verse 14, he says this. He says, we need to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with Jesus. But he doesn't stop there. He says we need to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with Jesus. We need to concentrate on growing and becoming a reflection of Christ that will cause others to want Jesus too, in other words. In verse 15, he says, as you're doing these things, always keep in mind that God being patient leads to salvation. So every time you get tired of waiting or every time you begin to wonder, why is God waiting? Why is he tarrying? Why doesn't he come back? The world is terrible. He wants us to remember the people in our lives who have yet to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we should be thankful that he's being patient. As you're thinking about all those people, I want you to be thinking about this too. While God is being patient, waiting for folks to come to salvation, eventually God's patience is going to come to an end. Christ is going to return. There's going to be signals and signposts all along the way preparing us for that fact. But here's another thing. Next week, I'm going to point you towards a scripture found in Revelation chapter 3 that says that when Christ does return, he's going to come as a thief in the night. Ironically, the passage that we're looking at today, um, Peter uses the very same imagery that Christ will come as a thief in the night. Now, why is that? It'll even feel like that to people who have gone to church their whole lives, who have went to Bible study, who have, who have fed uh, people at homeless shelters. So why will it feel or seem as though Christ comes as a thief in the night? 
if you saw my midweek update, you'll, you'll know there that I mentioned that there are signs and signals all along the way pointing us to the fact that Jesus is returning. But because we're going so fast, our minds are on so many different things, we often miss those signs and the signals. So, slow down. Remember where you're going and who you're heading towards. And while you're waiting, share the love of Jesus with as many people as you possibly can. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We know that with each passing day, your day is drawing nearer and nearer. We thank you for being patient with us, wanting as many people as possible to come to repentance and to salvation, and we thank you for that. But we ask, Lord, that, we would, that you would help us to live lives that uh, would be so attractive to others, that you would help us to have the words to speak, that would be so attractive to others that they would come to salvation, that they would repent of their sin and be prepared for that second coming as well. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And we look forward to that day when you return. And in the meantime, use us to share your love with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier, we sang about how we can build our lives on Christ, who is a solid rock. You know, there are places in Scripture where Christ is referred to the chief cornerstone upon which everything is built, including Prairie Bible Church, all other churches as well. And I'd like to read a little bit of that Scripture for you this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 9, verses 7 through 10. And before, we, before I start reading, I just want to let you know, I love that the name of this psalm is, I will recount your wonderful deeds. Because this entire psalm is focused around the fact that we can trust God just because he is so solid and so firm. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Let's sing out to Christ, our cornerstone. Cornerstone, weak remains strong. 
for worshiping with us today and I want to remind you that on May 31st Prairie Bible Church is going to be having its own in its very first drive-in worship experience at 9:30 May 31st 9:30 out at the Hughes horse farm same place where we were born as you recall it's gonna be a great day there's lots of information out there about it 
uh, how it's all going to work. We're going to be practicing social distancing and all those things. But it'll be a good time to kind of be together at social distance and worship the Lord. So I hope you'll, if you're able, you'll, you'll come and be a part of that. In the meantime, have a great week. Know that you are loved and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.